Welcome to the Autism and Neurodiversity Podcast. We're here to bring you helpful information from leading experts and give you effective tools and support. I'm Jason Grigla, a licensed counselor and founder of Techie for Life, a specialized mentoring program for neurodiverse young adults. And I'm Debbie Grigla, a certified life coach. And maybe most importantly, we're also parents to our own atypical young adults. Friends, hello, welcome. Parenting can be so hard. And when you have an autistic or neurodivergent that is developing differently, is has a different developmental timeline, that has unique challenges and higher support needs, it can be extra challenging. And one of the things that can be really tempting is to start relying on quick fixes. And one of the problems with relying on quick fixes is that it, when we overutilize them, you get trapped in negative patterns. And it, it starts to create a lot of unintentional long-term problems that you're going to have to deal with. But when you can break free from quick fix traps and focus on sustainable development, supporting your young person's development, you can build momentum and things will actually get easier over time. It's like the the law of decreasing returns. Well, it's tapping into the law of increasing returns. So it's like the saying, you know, if you do the hard thing now, harder things now, it gets easier over time. But if you do the easier things now, it gets harder over time. And that's what happens with parenting quick fixes. It's easier in the moment, but then it actually makes things a lot harder later on. And if you're willing to to do the investment up front, which is harder, it takes more effort, you actually will get increasing benefit as time goes on. And when we're dependent on quick fixes, which and I'm going to explain what I mean by that, but when we get dependent on quick fixes, it can actually create a lot of long-term damage. And recently I've been working with our students at Techie for Life in our life skill class and coaching them. And it's becoming very apparent some of the very damaging things and consequences to some of these quick fix approaches that these young adults are experiencing. And I don't think anyone even has realized how damaging it's been for them. They're opening up to me, they're sharing things and it's heartbreaking. So I want to help you if you're kind of caught in this at all. And I think we all fall into it sometimes. I know I have in the past and I still do sometimes. But changing from a fix it, like quick fix it mindset to embracing development and and supporting the individual in their development, and it, it just will transform your parenting experience and your ability to be a positive influence in their life. So when I'm talking about quick fixes or quick fix approaches, some examples of this would be, so here's one I used to do all the time when my my oldest boys were younger. I was like the counting mom. It would be like, you need to get up and go clean up your room in three, two, 
one, right? Like I would do the count off. Like if you don't get, you know, you better turn off that TV in three, two, one, you know, and I would, I would do the three, two, one count and my kids would jump. They would get up and they would go do the thing. It was very effective actually to get that change of behavior. But, but the impact on that, I, I now realize it's, it's very damaging. It's there's, and I'm going to talk about this why, but but it's super effective, but that's, and it's work, it works, but what is it working at? What is the ultimate goal here? So quick fix approaches, the three, two, one count, any types of rewards. I'm going to give you a sucker if you do this thing. Punishments and, and punishments can be, I'm taking away privileges or I'm grounding you for a week, or it can be punishments just in how you treat your child, be, being punishing towards them in your tone of voice, in the look on your face, in the words you use that you choose to use or the words you withhold. Yelling. Yelling is a very, sometimes very, very effective quick fix approach that works. But what is it working at? What is it actually doing? Giving in. Like just give in to your kid when they're demanding something or they really want something. I'm just going to give in. Like sometimes that, like that's the quick fix. It, it, it gets them to stop nagging you. But at what cost? right? Any types of behavioral compliance manipulations that we engage in, we can get a quick fix in the behavior, but it's creating long-term problems and issues and damage that can pop up later. And they're super tempting because they do work, in a sense, in that moment. And by work, we mean, well, stop an undesirable behavior or get them to start a desirable behavior. But is that, our, is that really the goal that we want? And here's what's happening when you're doing that. If you're just coming at things from quick fix behavioral tactics, the reason they're working or feel like they're working because they get your kid to do stuff, but what you're doing is you are triggering a nervous system survival threat response. And so it's a surge of adrenaline or cortisol hormones or like a surge of dopamine where they've got to have that reward. You're creating this dysregulation in their system to get them to behave a certain way or not behave a certain way. And that is the inherent problem with it. Because the kids who struggle, the kids that are often the ones that we use these quick fix approaches with, are often the ones who already struggle to regulate their nervous system threat response. They have a nervous system regulation disability. And now we're using quick fixes to trigger a nervous system response to get them to behave or or do things that we want them to do. And they already have trouble regulating that. They're already under like they already are probably operating under a, a triggered nervous system response pretty consistently. And then we're like adding fuel to that fire. We're adding more pressure on that. And, and this creates some issues. Number one, because we're using external pressure to get them to do things. And so now they become dependent on that external pressure to, to tap into any kind of motivation. So it's extinguishing their own internal motivation and it's training them to be reliant on somebody else 
pressing on them to get to like an external pressure to, to do it. So it's overriding their internal motivation. And then the other issue with it is that we're not actually supporting any kind of skill development. So, so when they're work, when it's working, right, our kid is doing the thing we want them to do because we've put on this external pressure, we're actually not helping them build skills. They're just willpowering it. Like, I have to get this thing or I'm going to die. And it's taking tons of energy and focus. Or I've got to stop doing this thing. They have to repress and they have to like hold it in. They have to willpower one way or the other, which is exhausting. And they're not actually developing skills in that scenario. They're not actually developing the ability to do that on their own or what goes into being able to, you know, Whatever it is, if it's like you're getting on your kid to, you need to do your homework, right? And and they're having a hard time getting over that hump of getting started or being organized and they have executive function challenges and, and they have a hard time sitting down to do this hard thing. They're not actually developing the skills to be able to do that on their own in a non-stressed way. So we're not supporting skill development. And then you've got this law of diminishing returns happening where it takes much bigger external pressure to get the same response the first time you yell right they jump and scramble and go do the thing the 200th time you yell not so much right and then you've got this accumulative effect happening so our nervous system it's their their nervous system is is having these drops of stress, right? And and throughout the day, especially if they're autistic or neurodivergent, they may be getting negative feedback and there's a drop in the cup or they're being rejected, drop in the cup, or they they fail at something or they 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 weren't able to organize their time and they forgot to turn in their paper or whatever it might be. But there's these like continual experiences throughout the day that are just adding to their stress. And then we do this big external pressure to try to get them to behave better. And what we're doing is this we're adding to the accumulative stress and pressure on their nervous system. And what ends up happening is you start to see skill regression because they just don't have the emotional capacity anymore to keep going. Or you start to see maladaptive coping skills where they start to lie or people please trying to manage the stress, the external stressors that we're putting on them. Or you just get full on shutting down, quitting, burning out, not caring anymore. Like they just quit. And for a lot of the young adults that we work with at Techie for Life at our our school for autistic and neurodivergent young adults, where we mentor them in their next steps and becoming more independent, a lot of them have come and you you've I, I I do the admissions, so I'm hearing like they're I'm collecting information on their history and I'm reading psyche vows. And some of these young adults coming to us have histories of school refusal. They just will quit to go quit going to school. Or they'll have aggressive behavior where they get pushed to the limit by a peer or a teacher or somebody and they get get they get verbally aggressive or or physically start to act out break a wall, you know, punch a wall, right? Or you get kids that are, you'll see a history of suicidality, severe depression, high anxiety, hospitalizations. It breaks my heart to read read the histories on some of these young adults that, that are great kids. 
that have very sensitive hearts, that have talents and abilities and things to contribute. And they've been so shamed, so misunderstood, and not given the things that they need to develop. And it's not that parents aren't trying. It's not that that the professionals helping aren't trying. But there's this tendency that when there's some quick fixes happening and these kinds of quick fix approaches, we're seeing what that ends up creating long-term for them. And so when you can support the individual, you support their sense of well-being and you support what and give them what they need to be able to develop. It can change the course, but this isn't a quick fix. This is playing the long game. And it's actually working with their brain, whether they're neurotypical or neurodivergent. We're working with their brain. We're working with where they're at developmentally. And we're working within the, the constraints of their disability, of the way their brain works or doesn't work. And when you're willing to take that developmental approach and drop the quick fixes and play the long game, the benefits start to compound over time. And you'll see that with our students where when the, the right supports come together and the right right environment comes together to support their development and it, and it, we finally like, it, it's that accumulative effect of the positive and then it starts to like tip in their favor and all of a sudden they're on a whole new path. They're on, their life is taking a whole new direction and they're on a whole new trajectory. And it's so exciting to see when that happens. And you can you can visibly see it in their countenance. You can visibly see it on their face and their confidence level and just their, their comfort in their own skin. They've accepted themselves. They're good with themselves. And they're getting wins under their belt. And they're making progress. And they're feeling so good about themselves. And it's so, so neat to see. But the challenge, but there's challenges that come with taking this approach. Number one, we get impatient. We see them struggling. It's, it's, they aren't learning things as quickly. And we get impatient and we want to like inject a quick fix. We want to make this happen faster. And, and, it, and so when we get impatient, it's going to be really hard to keep that eye on the long-term plan and supporting development. And when challenges pop up, it's so easy to get worried. And what does this mean? And we get anxious. And it's for sure harder to take a developmental approach if you don't really understand development. And if you don't understand what goes into supporting development, it, it's hard to trust that process. And what happens is we end up where you just find yourself constantly trying to put out fires. You're constantly dealing with problems. You're constantly reacting to problems. And instead of taking a step back and addressing, why are we having so many problems and challenges? Why are there so many fires in the first place? Let's take a look at what's going on so that we're not having to put out fires all the time. So we're not having to deal with major behavior issues all the time. So to do this, you've got to create an environment and a culture in your home, or if you're a teacher in your classroom, create an environment that supports young people in their development. And development is uncomfortable. So it's creating an environment that's 
that's required for growth and development to happen, which is uncomfortable. So we have to create an environment and a culture that supports young people in the discomfort of development, where we're not afraid of discomfort, we're willing to lean into it and embrace it, that we aren't shaming our young people for their fails or their mistakes or their undesirable behaviors, but that we're embracing learning and working through things and learning how to handle challenges and struggles, learning how to do development. It requires a lot of emotional empathy and emotional validation on our part to have that kind of environment that supports development. And you can have emotional empathy and validation. You can offer emotional validation to a young person and still hold very healthy boundaries and still hold them accountable and still hold yourself accountable in the relationship. In fact, it's very powerful when you do. We often think, oh, well, if I'm just going to give lots of empathy and I'm only focused on development, then we throw out boundaries and we throw out holding somebody accountable. No. And it doesn't mean, oh, the only way to hold healthy boundaries or to hold yourself accountable, hold them accountable is to be really harsh. No, you can actually be very kind, very connected, emotionally empathetic, and have firm, clear boundaries and hold people accountable and lean into the discomfort of being a functioning person in the world. But what it takes is lots of investment into supporting our young people in their emotional regulation so that they can access what they need to access to be able to develop. If they're in a stress state all the time, they have much less capacity and ability to access what they need to be able to develop to be able to learn new things, to be able to be receptive to feedback. So I do want to acknowledge that sometimes it is useful or necessary or worth it to use a quick fix, okay? But we, I want you to always be aware of those quick fixes always come with a cost. And sometimes the benefit outweighs the cost. But if you're using quick fixes to get behavioral compliance and you're doing it all the time that this is what you rely on you are doing damage it it will cost you and i don't think that's what you want for your young person i don't think that's the experience that you want to have with them so sometimes we do do it sometimes it's we're stressed or it's we've just got to have this thing you know we've got to do this thing and, and it's just really important and so we do a quick fix to kind of get through that but then don't fall. I really encourage you not to fall in the trap of continually relying on those quick fixes. And if you are in that habit of just these go-to quick fixes and you can see, you're probably starting to see some of the challenges with it and the problems that are arising, I encourage you to get support and educate yourself around development and learn how to support development and build the skills to be someone that can support development over the quick fixes. 
if this is an area that you need support with, make sure you get on our email list. We have some really exciting stuff that we're going to be enroll or rolling out and to support you better with this. There's a huge need for it. And I, I talk to a lot of people and we just want to be able to support you better so that we can we can help our young people really develop their full capacity and be happier, healthier people in their life and and not have to suffer so many of the mental health implications and be stuck in their development. So I hope you found this helpful. Keep with it. It's We're not offering quick fixes here, although some of these things can be pretty darn amazing, the turnarounds that can happen. But it does take some investment. It does take some efforting to approach young people in a different way that's more effective. There, it, It's more investment up front, but it's so worth it. And I appreciate you being here and listening, and I appreciate you sharing this podcast with others. And I hope you have an amazing week. Take care. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Autism and Neurodiversity with Jason and Debbie. If you want to learn more about our work, come visit us at jasondebbie.com. That's J-A-S-O-N-D-E-B-B-I-E.com. dot